Hey, we're really glad that you're here. We're, uh, we're continuing our series that we started several weeks ago, our Christmas series, and we're talking about light and, and how uh, light came into the world. And, 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 um, and, and our, our verse that we've been focusing on that we've kind of used for every week, and then we've talked about different aspects of the Christmas story is John eight twelve, And Jesus said this in John eight twelve. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the light of God coming into a dark world. Because we took the world as humans and we made it dark with sin. The stuff that we do that, that we know is just not right. The stuff that we do that is against what God has taught. And that sin darkens the world and, and God has sent Jesus, his only son, into the world to bring the light of God into our dark world. And that is what Christmas is all about. When Jesus came to earth, there was light that came into the world. And we see it over, and the reason we thought about this for this message series is you just see it over and over again in the story, whether it's the angels shining a bright light in the sky or the, or the wise men following a star that was a light in the sky. Over and over again, you see the image of light coming into the world, and that's what we're celebrating uh, when we talk about Christmas and we talk about Jesus coming. I want to ask you a question. I want you to do something. I want you to tell the person next to you uh, and, just, and just take uh, five to ten seconds. What, uh, that, think about when you were a child. I want you to think about what you wanted to be when you grew up. And it can be any age, you know, because it, it depended on how, like there was different things I wanted to be at different ages in my life. But what's one thing that you can remember when you were a child that you wanted to be when you grew up? And I want you just to say that to the person next to you real quick. Go right now. All right, good. All right, what? It, tell, somebody tell me. Now, don't tell me what you said. Somebody tell me what the person next to you said. Just shout it out. Especially if it's an, what? An astronaut? Good. What'd you, a cat. Yeah, Emily, my daughter wanted to be a cat when she was a kid. True story. Dorothy Hamill. Oh, nice. Very good. You can still get the haircut if you want to. Um, when, when we're kids, when, when we're growing up, you know, we, we think of, people ask you that question when you're, when you're a child. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, little kid? You know, and you say whatever it is, and people think it's cute. When I was young, that, there was different stages of my life. There was a stage I wanted to be a rock star, a stage I wanted to be a, a base. I still want to be a rock star, a stage I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, and then, um, but there was, when I was young, you know, pretty young, I wanted to be a garbage man because... Back then, now they don't do this anymore, but back where I grew up and back then, the garbage men hung off the back of the truck. I mean, they rode down the, you know, rode down the street hanging on the back of the truck. And to me, you know, as like a seven-year-old, what is a cooler job than hanging on the back of a truck all day riding on the road and you really don't have to take a bath because nobody cares how you smell? That, to me, as a kid, that was like the primo job. I wanted to be a garbage man because of that. And, uh, and by the way, today, I would love to own a garbage uh, business because those dudes rake it in, I'm going to tell you what. But, but that's what I wanted to do as a kid. And all of us at different points in our lives, we have things that, that we want to do. And, and, and then when we get older, we, start, we quit basing what we want to do on things like, hey, it'd be cool to hang off the back of a truck or it would be cool to you know, be an ice skater. We start basing things, we get really practical as we get older. 
And then when you go to college or you go to, you know, if you're in high school and maybe you're, you go to tech school or, or you just are looking for a job when you get out of school, whatever it is, when we get to that point, we start thinking, okay, how much money is this going to pay? And, uh, and, you know, how much am I going to have to work long hours and am I going to enjoy it? We start thinking really practically at that point and, and try to figure out what, what we want to do. But then even once we get that job and we're, now you're an adult and, and you're out there making money, and even if you got your dream job, even if I grew up and I got to be a garbage man and hang off a truck all day long, which would have been the coolest thing ever, even if I got to do that, we all get to a point in our lives where at some time we start thinking, okay, is this all there is? Is this really what life is all about? Is it just about going to work every day and collecting that paycheck at the end of the week or end of two weeks or end of the month, however you get paid, and then realizing as soon as we get it, dang, I don't really have a whole lot of money that I thought I did, and now it's all gone already, and i got to work again to pay off the next set of stuff. And at some point in our lives, I think all of us sit back and we start to say, okay, there's got to be more than just earning money to collect stuff and then earning more money to collect more stuff and then earning money to fix the old stuff that we collected and then collect more stuff. And at some point we think there's got to be more to life than this. Well, I want to share with you a story about a guy who's part of the Christmas story, but he wasn't in Bethlehem. And I think as we look at him and we look at his story, we're going to see that, that we all do have a purpose in life. And it does go beyond our job. And, and, and we're going to see that as we look at, look at the story of this guy. I want you to, if you do have your Bibles, open to the book of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament. Bible's divided into two kind of sections, Old Testament and New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull it up on your phone, or don't worry, it's going to be on the screen. Um, but John, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And, uh, let me, and this, this book, by the way, is written by the Apostle John. Jesus had these group of guys that he selected to hang out with him. There were 12 of them. And out of the 12, one denied him and, and one, uh, um, what is it he did? Uh, what is the word? I, I've totally lost my, huh? Peter denied him, Judas betrayed him. So, you know, if you've got a group of 12 friends and two or three turn their back on you, you're in good company. All right, Jesus had it happen to him. And, uh, but the, one of the guys that hung out with Jesus out of these 12 was named John. And he took some time after uh, Jesus was on earth and he took some time and wrote down all the stories about what happened. And this is, this is where we get this. And so here's, here's what John has to say about Jesus. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word. Now let me stop right there. Word, you'll notice, is capitalized. And when he's saying Word here, he's talking about Jesus. He's using that for another term for Jesus, another name for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And this is another uh, time for another message on another Sunday. But let me just point out real quick. Do you see what that's saying right there? That when the world was created, Jesus was there. I want you to understand that when Jesus came to earth, he came to earth, he was completely God. All right? And so it's not like Jesus is a creation of God. Jesus is God. He was there when the world was created. So his hand was involved in it when mountains and trees and oceans and People and animals and all were made. Jesus was there from day one from creation. Verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Now, this John that it's talking about here, it's not the John who wrote this book. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about a guy that you might know, you've probably heard the name, that we call John the Baptist. And the reason they called this guy John the Baptist is because he usually wore a three-piece suit, he ate a lot of fried chicken, and he didn't believe in dancing beer or having fun, right? That's, no, I'm just kidding. That's not why they called him John the Baptist. Now, I can make fun of Baptists because I are one, and so that's, but, but he, the reason they called him John the Baptist was because he baptized people. In fact, really, it was more, they called him John the Baptizer, and, uh, and we've just shortened it to John the Baptist because we're more comfortable with that because we see Baptist churches on every corner. And that's who he was, John the Baptist. And, and so when he's talking about this, this, this guy who's coming, he talks about the reason why he came, and he says there that he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He was not the light, the true light that gives light to every man coming in the world. Now, John the Baptist understood his purpose in life. In fact, he probably understood his purpose in life better than anyone who's ever lived. He, I know that he understood his purpose in life better than I do, and probably better than you do. And there's a couple of reasons why. He had an advantage that we don't have. Here was the advantage that John had. Before he was born, uh, his parents were having problems um, conceiving. They, they wanted a baby, and nothing was working, and they were trying as hard as they could, but every time you know, they tried, no, no baby was on the way, and so they were very disappointed with that. And some of you have lived through that. You know what that's like, and that can be a very frustrating time. And so while they were, getting, they were getting to the point where they almost thought it's almost too late, we're not going to be able to have a child anymore, this angel shows up by the name of Gabriel, who you've probably also heard of, and Gabriel shows up and he goes to John's dad and he says, you're going to have a child and you're going to name him John. And so, and then not only does he tell him he's going to have a child and he's going to name him John, look at what he says about that child. He, he describes it, and this is in Luke, it says this, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So before John is ever born, an angel shows up and tells his dad, this is what the boy is supposed to do. This is what he's supposed to do with the rest of his life. I mean, I can't imagine if, if you know, before I was born, if an angel had showed up to my dad and said, hey, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Cliff, and this is what he's supposed to do. That would be a weird thing, but that's what happened. And so for, I can only imagine that all, all throughout John's childhood, and early adolescence, that throughout that time of his life, his mom and dad continued to tell him, listen, you are on this earth for a reason. And here's the reason. You are supposed to make people ready for the Lord that's going to come. The Messiah is coming. This guy is coming, and, and he's going to be from God, and you're supposed to prepare people for that. So all his life he had heard that. He knew why he was here on this earth. He had been prepared to do that. Not only did an angel come and tell them what he was supposed to do, but, but a guy who lived probably about 900 to 1,000 years before John was born by the name of Isaiah, he talked about John. This is what he said. He said that John would come and he would be a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. See, 
So from the early on, John understood his purpose in life because an angel had said it, it had been prophesied, and so when he got ready to do what he was supposed to do, he went out and he started teaching. He started telling people, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, you need to be ready for him, he's going to be, be here soon, and all that kind of stuff. And so he was a very important part of light coming into the world. But I want you to know something, that John's purpose in life is not really that much different than ours. In fact, John played an important part in the work of Jesus on this earth because he prepared people for Jesus coming into the world. But I want you to know something, that you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus, you play an important role as well in preparing people to hear about who Jesus is. See, the truth is, is that all of us, our purpose comes from Jesus. Our purpose comes from Jesus. Whether you're John the Baptist or John Doe, it doesn't matter. All of us, our purpose comes from Jesus. Remember that, that we talked about that when light came into the world, that that changed everything, that it was, it was light coming into the, to the darkness of the world, and that changed everything. And so everything that we do is a response to that, whether we realize it or not. And see, if John, had, if John the Baptist had been born, and he had nothing to do with Jesus, let's say he just he was born into the world. His parents didn't tell him about Jesus. He, 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 didn't, he didn't know about this prophecy. He didn't know about an angel. And he just showed up and he just lived his life. He would, he would grow up. He would do some things. He might help some people. But his true purpose would never be fulfilled. He would be just one other guy on the face of the earth taking up space. But with Jesus... Now that John has come and he understands his purpose and he's now living it out because his parents taught him about Jesus and now that he's trying to live that out and he's trying to do what God wants him to do, now he becomes a John who fulfills prophecy. He becomes John who, who does what the angel said. He becomes a significant part of the, of the story of God on this earth. See, John 1.7, it says this. He talks about this was his purpose in life. Why was John the Baptist here? He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. And see, that's what all of us are supposed to do. If you know Jesus, we're supposed to testify concerning that. Just tell what we know. Just, just tell what's happened to us. And that's what John's purpose was, and that's what our purpose is. See, the, the great thing about Jesus coming to the earth is that his coming, bringing light to the earth, it, it takes care of what's going to happen forever in eternity, right? That's one of the things we get excited about. That when we die, we're going to go to heaven and not hell, right? Isn't, isn't that something we get excited about? The fact that one day we're going to leave this earth and it's got a lot of struggles and a lot of pressure and all that stuff, but we know one day we're going to go somewhere and it's going to be better than here and we get excited about the fact that, that because of Jesus, now what happens to us after we die is taken care of and that's good. That's great news. But it's not all of the news. See, Jesus not only gives us something to hope for after we die, but he gives us something to live for today. He gives us a purpose in today's world, not, and we don't have to wait until something that's going to happen a long time later. We've got something we need to be involved with today. He gives us a purpose beyond just working and earning and buying and working and earning and buying and continuing that cycle forever and ever. Now, let me, let me talk about, I talked to you at the beginning to say, you know, what did you want to do when you grow up? How does this, how does this deal with, 
what we do for, for a job, what we do for a living. Well, well, this is what I think. That your purpose is more than vocation. It's lived out in every vocation. Your purpose is more than vocation. It's lived out in every vocation. All, if you are here today and, and you've got a job, you have a vocation. That's your job. That's what you do for a living. And you probably even introduce yourself as that. You'll say, hey, I'm so-and-so. What do you do for a living? Oh, I am a blank. I'm a, you know, whatever it is. I'm a teacher. I'm a plumber. I'm a painter. I'm a banker. Um, you know, I'm a lawyer. Whatever it is. You, that's what you say that, that you are. And, and so we begin to believe sometimes that, that that's really what our purpose on this earth is, that our purpose is all about that vocation. God created me to do this. He created me to teach. He created me to, to work with, you know, uh, to, to be an accountant. He created me to do whatever it is. And we begin to believe that that's our purpose in this world. But let me ask you a question. What happens when you lose that job? If your purpose is to be a teacher, to be a plumber, to be an electrician, to be whatever it is. What happens when you're not doing that anymore? Are, are you now a person without purpose? Is your life over? Have you failed in some kind of way? See, what we need to understand is your job is important. I want you to know that. Whatever it is that you do, God has placed you there for a reason. And it's important that you do the absolute best you can do. Whether you're a student in school, you need to be studying and you need to be trying to do the best you can do because that glorifies God. Whether you're a teacher in that school, you need to be the best teacher as you can because that glorifies God. Whether you build houses, whether you make loans to people, whether you build cars, whatever it is you do, you need to do the best you can because that glorifies God. But that is not your only purpose in life. Your vocation is, is not your purpose. It's your purpose goes beyond that. And you can live out your true purpose no matter what your vocation is. And your true purpose is to testify to the light. It is to tell people what Jesus has done in your life. And see, here's what I understand because I've grown up in church. I've been in church my entire life. Here's what I understand. There are those of you sitting there today and you look at me and you think, Cliff, that's your purpose. You're the preacher. You're supposed to tell people about Jesus. You're supposed to learn about the Bible. You're supposed to teach the Bible to people. That's your purpose. You're supposed to testify to the light. My purpose is to go to work and earn money and support my family. And I would say to you, you're only half right. Your purpose is to go to work, earn money, and support your family. But your greater purpose, your overall purpose, is that as you do that, as you go to work, as you earn money, as you support your family, you are supposed to testify to the light. It's not just my job. It's not just the job of some professional and that, that you hope everybody else will hear what the professional has to say. It's all of our jobs. And here's why that works out better. is because your places that I'll never go. You've got friends that you work with, friends that you see every day, that they're not here this morning, but they'll be there in the morning, and you have an opportunity to testify to what Jesus is doing in your life. And I'll never meet those folks, but you have the chance to do it. But we have to be aware of our overall purpose at all times. It's kind of like, um, like building a house or a structure, any kind of building. Um, if you've, if you've ever, some of y'all are in the construction business, so you know how this works. And some of y'all have built houses that you now live in. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, I thought that I, I knew somebody whose dad was a builder. That's what that, that he builds. That's what, what, what we knew. And so I thought he did everything. 
So like, you know, he got out there and he tore down all the trees and then, and then once that was done, he got out his hammer and saw and he built up the stuff and then he wired the house. I thought he did the whole works because he was a builder, right? But that's not how it works, is it? What, how, the, the way it works is you got one guy, he's kind of in charge, and then you got all these different people and you got electricians and you got plumbers and you got painters and you got roofers and you got landscapers and they all come in and they all have a specific job to do right? Each one of them has a specific job. And the electrician, he doesn't need to know how to hook up the toilet, right? And the plumber, he doesn't need to know how to put the shingles on the roof. And the air conditioning guy doesn't need to know how to hang wallpaper. Why? Because they've all got a specific job to do. That's their job. That's their focus while they're there. But all of them together are working to do what? They're working to build a house. They all have an overall purpose of building this house and making sure that the people who are paying them can get in there on time and enjoy living in this house. And so each one of them has their own little job, but they all have a bigger overall job, and that is to make sure the people get in this house. And in fact, if any of them said one day, you know, I don't really care about these people, whether they get in or not, I'm just trying to do my job here. That's a dumb attitude to have, because if it wasn't for the people wanting to live in that house, they wouldn't even have that job. And see, sometimes I think we go through life and we think, you know what, I don't really have time to talk about Jesus or think about Jesus when I'm at work or tell people about Jesus. I got this one job to do and I just got to focus on that and it takes all of my attention and it doesn't really matter. I'll just let the preacher, I'll just let somebody else who's really, you know, more committed to me than Jesus, I'll let them do all the telling about Jesus because I don't really have time to think about that. But it's ridiculous to have that attitude because you wouldn't even have the job you have if God hadn't given it to you. And see, I believe, now I might be ignorant and sometimes I know that I am. But I might be ignorant to believe this, but I really believe that God has strategically placed you where you work, where you live, because you can have an impact on somebody in that circle. And he's put you there not by accident. You're not working at BMW by accident. You're not working at Greer High School or Blue Ridge High School by accident. You're not working at a, a, in a shop that you opened up. That's not an accident. The reason that's happened is because God has prepared you to make an impact on people in that place. And he's given you this opportunity. See, we have a, a chance to be a part of God's big plan, to be a part of the big thing he's doing on the earth, and that's our overall purpose. Now, that's a great idea, right? It, I, I, and maybe some of you, I hope, are encouraged by that. And I say that and you're thinking, yeah, man, I can go to work tomorrow and I can, you know, live out this big purpose and, and be a part of God's big plan. And it's a great idea. But, but let me tell you what happens to me sometimes. And maybe this doesn't happen to you. But sometimes to me, I forget that. And I begin to think that my real purpose in life is to take care of myself and to take care of my family. And I start to think that, you know, it's, it's really more about I gotta, I gotta make enough money to buy this thing or to, you know, do this thing to my house or get this car or, or take care of this person. And I begin to think that it's all about who I am and, and the, the goals that I've set for myself. And I can easily forget that it's about something much bigger. I can make it all about me. And I imagine that John the Baptist struggled with that same thing. Now, I don't imagine that because of anything I read in Scripture, but I imagine that because he was a human being. And see, all of us as human beings, we struggle with that. We, we all struggle from time to time about, about thinking it's all about us. But John the Baptist was, was good at understanding something. He understood this. He understood that Jesus 
is first. He understood that Jesus is first. See, we live, whether you know it or not, we live in a very orderly world. God created this world, and he created it, and it's very orderly. It's, it's, it, it follows an order. And you might be thinking, dude, you don't know my life. It is nothing but orderly. It is complete chaos. And I understand that. We're good at creating chaos, but God is good at creating order. I mean, think about the orderly world we live in. Every day the sun rises in the same section of the earth. It rises in the east every day, and it sets in the west every day. You don't have to wake up and wonder where the sun's going to come up at. Every year the, the seasons follow the same pattern. You don't ever have to worry about one day going straight from winter into summer. There's, you, know, that, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Everything, you know, there's an order to everything. Night comes and day comes and all that kind of stuff. Everything's in order. Well, there's another order that God has established, and that order is that he is number one. He's first. He's supreme. He made everything, and then second is us. And one of the things that always causes problems is when we try to get out of order. When we try to change up the order, uh, it's like the old joke. I don't know if you ever heard this joke about you can take anybody who's real cocky and arrogant. Let's say like Donald Trump. You know, the old joke is what's the difference between God and Donald Trump is that God doesn't think he's Donald Trump. That's the that's the old joke, because we all from time to time, we think we're God. Now, we don't come out and say it. I've never once in my life looked at somebody and said, I can do whatever I want because I'm God. But I have lived like that before. I have gone out and I've made my own decisions without consulting God, without looking at what the Scripture says, without even thinking about that stuff. I've done what I wanted to do. Why? Because sometimes I think that I'm God. And that was the very first thing that caused problems on the face of the earth. Back when Adam and Eve were first created, God created them. Everything's great. They're enjoying life, walking around naked in the garden. What could be better than that? Husband and wife never having to put on clothes. I mean, that's awesome, right? And they're just enjoying life, being naked. And, and then all of a sudden, one day, Satan comes along and he says to them, Hey, wouldn't you like to be like God? If you eat this fruit over here, you will be like God. And that was the very first sin that came into the world. As they said, yeah, I, I want to be like God. It's a great life here, but I could be like God. That's even better. And when they started to get things out of order, it caused a problem. And anytime we get things out of order, is it causes an issue. And the coming of Jesus into the world just reinforces that God, the order God has put things in. He, he announced it with angels and he did all this stuff. Why? Because God was coming to the earth. It was important. Number one was going to be here walking around on the face of the earth. And we all needed to understand that. And see, John the Baptist did a great job of understanding that God was first and he was second. In fact, Look at, uh, look at John 1, 19 through 20. If you've got your Bible open there, you're already in John 1. Just look a few verses down. That it, that there in John, it, it, he talks about people were asking him, hey, who are you? See, here's the thing. John's on the earth, and he's talking about that Messiah's coming, that, that the Lord is coming, that Jesus is coming. And people started going to him and saying, hey, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one that's supposed to come? Now think about this. Think about what happened to John right here. Think about the opportunity he has. All of a sudden, he could say, you know what? I am. I'm the Messiah. Bow down and worship me. He could have made it all about him. But look what he says instead. John 1, 19 and 20. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And he said this. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. In fact, later on, 
in that same book, he went on and they started talking to him about who he was. And he said, listen, I'm not the one who's supposed to come, but the one who's coming, he's going to be here in a little while. And he said, he is so great that I am unworthy to even tie his shoes. That's how great he is. John understood the order. He understood that Jesus was first, he was second. In fact, in John chapter 3, if you want to flip over there, John 3, 28 through 30, there's a, there's a situation now where, where John has been out, he's been teaching, he's got these people that follow him. Jesus now has people following him. And, and you realize what started to happen was, all the people that had been following John, they started leaving John and going to follow Jesus. So John was losing his following. And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, that's a bad day, right? That's a bad day when that happens. When all of a sudden you're like, dang, where's everybody at? Because when that happens, this is what happens. I know, I've been in church my whole life. When that happens, you sit out there in the pew and you don't, nobody that ever comes to church, when people start leaving the church, no one who comes to church ever looks at themselves and goes, man, what am I doing to make all these people leave the church? No, what do you say? What is the preacher doing to make all these people leave the church? He doesn't know what he's doing, right? And so you had John the Baptist, and I'm sure there were some people that were leaving and going to Jesus, and there were probably people saying, man, John is losing it. He, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. And so they come to him, and they say, listen, everybody's leaving, and they're going to Jesus. And he says this, you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. See, John said, listen, guys. I came to get people to understand who Jesus is. And if you're leaving me to go to him, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. He's great. I'm second. He will always be greater than me. And that is the thing that we have to remember, is that Jesus is first. If we're going to truly fulfill our purpose in life, if we're truly going to be people that go out and, and we go into our workplaces and we go into our schools and we testify about the light, the only way that's going to happen is if we understand who's first and we make sure that we put that into our lives every day. And see, that, that takes effort. That just takes effort. That doesn't come naturally. Um, it's kind of like, um, kind of like raising kids. I know a lot of you in here have kids. We had a lot, a lot of little kids up here this morning. And um, one of the things about raising kids that nobody tells you before you have kids, uh, and if they told you, you wouldn't have believed them anyway. But uh, nobody tells you that your life is going to be ruined now. Nobody ever says that to you. Nobody ever goes up to a pregnant woman, you know, and says. Oh, that's so good. You are going to have no peace now for like the next 25 years. Congratulations. Nobody does that. We don't want to ruin that. But hey, the reality is, when, now listen, I'm, I'm kind of halfway kidding. Children are wonderful. But you don't ever get a day off, do you? You don't ever, you can't ever just say, you know what? Man, these kids are wearing me out. I think for a month, I'm not even going to talk to them or do it. They're just going to be on their own and that's, that's it. I mean, if you do that, there are terrible consequences for the child. If you take... A day off, there's terrible consequences for the child. You, you can't do it. It's, it takes constant attention and constant effort. And listen, our relationship with Jesus, if we're going to keep on the track we need to be on, if we're going to make sure that he's first and we're second, if we're going to make sure that we're living out our purpose, it's going to take constant attention. 
But what we like to do is we like to go to church on Sunday and think a little bit about Jesus and, you know, sing a song about Jesus. And then we don't want to think about Jesus again until the next Sunday. And we think that that's going to get us where we need to be. But no, that's terrible consequences, just like it would be if you left your child for a week and then came back and checked on them the next Sunday. And we need that. And here's why we need that. We don't need to do that because God's a needy child. We need to do that because we're the needy child. And we need every day constant attention. We need to be sure that every day that there's something going on in our life, whether it's reading the Scripture or praying or just having a conversation with somebody. I would suggest reading the Bible every day. But there's something where every day there's just a, a, an understanding of this is who I am, this is who God is, He's first, I'm second, and I need to do what He wants me to do today, not what I want to do. See, one of the things that I know is that some of you look here at whoever's standing on this stage, whether it's me or last week it was Donnie, and, uh, and you look at us and you think, man, if I could have that life, they are really close to God. If I could just be as close to Jesus as Cliff is, I bet he never doubts. I bet he, I bet he always remembers to pray. I bet he never has bitterness in his heart towards somebody. I know he never hates anybody. He probably never, you know, drops the F-bomb or, or you know, does something crazy like that. He, he probably never does any of that stuff. And I want you to know something about me as I drop the F-bomb every day. No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> just kidding. Here's what I want you to know, though, for, for real. The truth is, is that me, the way I am, is that my natural tendency is to move away from Jesus, not towards Jesus. That if I don't pay any attention to what's going on, and I just wake up every morning and I try to live, my natural tendency is to move away from Jesus instead of get closer to Jesus. And I believe that the same thing is true about you. I believe the same thing was true about John the Baptist. I believe the same thing is true about all of us as human beings. That our natural tendency is to move away instead of closer. And that's why, that's why it takes every day that attention and I can't do it on my own. And so I have to just beg God and beg Him to draw me closer to Him. For Him to do the work that brings me from where I am to be closer to Him and not allow me to drift. See, that's one of the miracles about light coming into the earth. Is that light came into the earth for people just like me and just like you. Who we move away from God instead of towards God. Who when we have the opportunity, we make the wrong decision just about every time. And Jesus came and he died for people like us. People who reject him. People who try to run away from him. And he died for us on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven. Now I'm going to ask um, our, uh, our pastors to come up here and and we're going to have a time of, of invitation. And, and let me tell you what, what that means. While they're coming. See, we've talked every week about light coming into the world and, and, and that we're, our world is darkened by sin. And what I want you to know today is, is that every single one of you 
You have to make a decision concerning that light. There's a decision that has to be made. Whether you are going to accept the work that Jesus is doing in your life, whether you're going to accept the fact that He died on the cross, that He did it for your sins, He did it for my sins, whether you're going to accept that or whether you're going to reject that. And when we looked at the Scripture, it said that, that John came to testify to the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through Him all men might believe. Whether you know it or not, all of us daily testify about Jesus. And we either testify that we know Him or we testify that He is a stranger to us. And we all testify. And so if you're here today and you have... You've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Today can be the day for you to where you would say, I don't even understand all you're talking about, Cliff, but I know that I need to do something different. I know that Jesus needs to save me and I need to ask him to do that. You can come down and talk to one of these guys. Maybe you're here and you know you're a believer, but you would say, Cliff, I go to work every day and testifying to the light is the last thing on my mind and I want to ask these guys to pray for me. To help me do that. And you don't have to come and talk to one of these guys. You can come and just kneel down at the front. And just pray and lay that out to God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. My wife is going to play some music here. These guys are going to be down here. And, and when I'm done praying, you come. And don't allow anything to get in the way of you doing what God wants you to do. Stand up with me while I pray. Father God, thank you so much that, that you came and, and that you died for people just like me, people that naturally walk away from you. And um, God, I know there are other people here today that, that they're just like me. Their tendency is to move away from you, not move towards you. And they need you. So Father, whoever that is, whoever those folks are right now, I pray you'd speak directly into their heart they would understand that, that they need to make a decision today about the light that has come into the world, the true light, the light of Jesus. And they need to accept that for their own. I pray for those who are here that, that know you already, but, but know that they can be closer, know that, that there's more that you want for them to live out their purpose. I pray you'd speak to them today and make that clear. Thank you for dying for us for loving us, for giving us a purpose to live for. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You come now.